Okay, we're all here. There we go. Sorry, we took two weeks off and I forgot how to do everything. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome to Casa Live. We see all your beautiful little bubbles there in chat. Thank you to everybody for being here. I'm also trying to like actively figure out angles and lighting mere seconds before we go live. So <laughs> anyways, welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, how do we do this? Well, we do some hey, how are yous? Can we can we start that? I completely forgot how to do this entire show in the last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> Alex. Hey, how are you? Hey. <laughs> I was waiting, waiting for dramatic the dramatic effect. I'm trying to get some dramatic effect going here. Yeah, doing good. It uh, apparently we're getting like a legit uh, snow shower here. That's the uh, first real how are you getting snow right now and i'm not because the i don't know weather is different <laughs> I, <laughs> you get like all the lake effect stuff and we yeah. get just like normal snowstorms and and clipper systems and sometimes lake effect will reach this far but it's not we don't we don't get it like you're you're into the state yeah no so, so that's it. That's that's it. it. I'm just no, I'm like there you are. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm like it's December. <laughs> it's cold as f, and uh, it's snowing, and uh, that that makes me happy because I'd rather see snow than just brown. Fair enough. So that's oh, how man. I'm doing. <laughs> Kristen, hey, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Should I just give a weather report or? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, everything's been really good. I uh, had a really good Thanksgiving with the family. We're missing a couple kids, but uh, apparently everybody's going to be here for Christmas, so that's good. Um, got all the fall decorations done, working on getting the uh, Christmas decorations up. Just uh, was outside. It was a little blustery today. I was out, My husband and I were outside. He's up on the ladder putting uh, wreaths on our windows. It's the first year we've done the wreath on the window thing. I've always wanted to do that, and... Um, so, uh, but I don't have a lot of money, so I took took the cheap way around and made them all myself. <laughs> but hey, post pictures later. But yeah, they were they turned out really cool. I'm very excited to post pictures this year. I decided to get rid of all the lawn decorations with the you know the light up deer and stuff like that uh, because I just in Wisconsin we've already had snow. There's my weather report a couple <laughs> couple times already, and um, but. Last year, I didn't get the, uh, I got everything down except for the ones that were out on the lawn because they didn't thaw, the ground didn't thaw enough until March before I could pull them out. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm doing that. Everything now is like on the house. <laughs> I can just there you go. it off and uh, no more lawn decorations. So, but yeah, just getting all that stuff ready. And um, that's, that's pretty much here. Pretty much it. No snow in Berlin, huh? Some parts of Germany have gotten some. Yeah. We've only gotten uh, here in Western New York. We've only gotten uh, a little bit here and there. I think the most that we got last weekend was like an inch and then it melted off almost immediately. Um, but that's that that's all we've gotten. I've dealt with a little bit of snow so far, but nothing, nothing too major. We uh, the last few years around here have been very different. Uh, than the past. Like when I was a kid, I can remember snow by Halloween. We would have snow by Halloween. I countless, well, maybe not countless, like three, maybe four Halloweens where all I could wear was 
a mask because the rest of me was just like a big blue bundled up snowsuit. Um, <clears throat> and that was it. And now, now it's like mid to later December, by the time we hit like the winter solstice, like December 20th or so, that's when we actually start to get snow around here. So. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's, uh, I guess that's it for the, Hey, how are yous? Alex, are you ready? Yeah, let's do for a the whole, thing. a whole lot of legislation. I don't know how much legislation you got for us this week, considering we've been gone for a little while, but we can, uh, we can jump right into it. All right, sir, what do you got for us this week? What do we need to know? What do we need to keep our eyes and ears on? So, um, once again, uh, this is just going to be a perennial topic until, um, uh, until we see a vote in Congress. Um, the vape parity tax, the, the vape tax parity with cigarettes, which is not really parity, it's more than cigarettes, um, uh, it's still an issue. Um, I, I know that we've probably we've talked about we've heard some some promising uh news from certain members of congress who are opposed to this uh but the need to keep the pressure up uh, is still there for sure uh and um you know we've we've also sort of singled out of course um kirsten cinema from arizona and joe manchin from west virginia uh and urging people in those states to send messages of support to them for their opposition to the bill um, or the opposition to this tax. Um, and so this will also be uh, something we need to see in Nevada, Montana, and uh, New Jersey of all places. Um, uh, Senator Bob Menendez uh, is, is sensitive to this issue uh, and, uh, and very sensitive to the, the, um, uh, the idea that this tax violates Joe Biden's pledge of not raising taxes on people who make less than 400K a year. Um, and so um, we'll be putting things up that are state specific for for those members of Congress and and, and urging people to send messages of support for their op op opposition, uh, which it's, it's just weird to me to say that uh, when you put support and opposition in the same sentence. I just always imagine people get confused because it sounds confusing coming out of my mouth. But um, that's where we are. Also, um, uh, I. I you know, considering that most of our membership, most of the people who come to CASA come here through vaping, uh, I think there's uh, we haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to uh, how this tax affects uh, nicotine pouches or really any other alternative nicotine product. Um, and so uh, I, I, I don't want to promote a website that, that sells products. It's not what we do here. But I, I do use this as an example. I'm not going to post the link or anything, but there's a site out there called Nico Kick, and they sell uh, nicotine pouches. And uh, I, it's it's I think it's kind of the first time I've seen this on any alternative nicotine product type site. Uh, I'm including Vapor in that. I'm, I'm, I assume there are some manuf or some some online retailers who have done this, but uh, in the sort of description of the product, they also break down what the taxes are and how they may affect the price that you end up seeing also with an explainer that it's different. You know, we're talking about state excise taxes at this point, which as we've mentioned before, in some places uh, those taxes are already applied to synthetic nicotine, uh, any, any nicotine product. 
Uh, and so um, uh, I, I just if you're if you're curious at all what that looks like, it was sort of interesting to me uh, because I, I think, you know, a lot of people are probably out there thinking that they're they're paying a certain amount for a product and then they get the final bill. And they're like, wait a second, why is this like five dollars more? Well, it's the state excise taxes. And so you can sort of, you know, take that and, and now, you know, add to that the potential that you're you're dealing with a federal excise tax, which is going to add, you know, depending on the nicotine content of the product, you know, a couple of dollars, a couple more than two dollars. Uh, and so I, I, I made a little chart for myself here. Um, you know, if three, three or six milligrams are I probably, I assume the most popular nicotine concentration. Uh, and so looking across the different products, uh, Zin, for example, has 15 pouches per 10. Uh, and so for three milligram, you're going to pay an extra dollar 26 for six milligram. You're going to pay an extra $2 and 52 cents. Uh, and this is going to be on top of what other, whatever other state or local taxes you pay on these products. Um, for products like On or Rogue, um, which I think Rogue goes up to eight milligrams, or it's On. On goes up to eight milligrams. Um, uh, that'll be an extra, almost almost $4.50 that you would pay for eight milligram On. Um, so, you know, we, we look at the the price increase on vaping and everybody is is, is sort of shocked and, and sad and, and this is horrible, um, but it's all of the other products as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're going to be doing some work this week to, to reach out to, um, you know, places where we may have more members who are using nicotine pouches uh, and try to get them engaged. Um, so, yeah, just just to really bring that up to, to make sure that, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, aware that this is not just a vaping issue, but it's all all nicotine containing smoke free alternatives that are probably and verifiably safer than smoking. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, uh, keep up the pressure, uh, folks who've been sending messages. Thank you. Uh, if we, uh, you know, keep keep an eye on your inboxes. If you do see prompts to make phone calls, um, definitely make phone calls. Uh, your voice carries more weight than a pre-written message. Uh, and of course, even if you are using our email things, please customize your message to include your story. Um, but uh, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, and we're expecting a vote on this. Um, perhaps by the end of the month, uh, if we don't see something on this by December 23rd, it'll go into January. Uh, and, um, and so, yeah, and it, it's, it's, we're not done. Uh, so keep the, keep the pressure up. Um, moving along, uh, Denver, Colorado has passed their flavor ban. Uh, I believe is this. This is coming to another, there's another vote required in order to, you know, officially pass this thing. Uh, and that is happening on Monday, December 6th. Um, I, I, I don't believe that there's any more public hearing uh, to be offered on this. Uh, all of that happened uh, this past week. Uh, it, it was something like two, two and a half hours worth of public comment and debate. Um, I, I can't remember. I think Amanda Wheeler posted a, a photo uh, of, of the, the, the pro vaping, pro harm reduction t-shirts outnumbering the others in, uh, in the council hearing. So uh, the blue and red, they were, they were blue. Yeah. And the, yeah. the opposition's shirts were red. Yeah. Red or orange yeah. or whatever. Um, 
hey, look at me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, kudos to everybody who, who, first of all, showed up for the hearing. But second of all, bonus points for wearing matching T-shirts. Um, we haven't, we haven't, I don't know how well we've done with that in the past just as a community. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's good imagery. Um, anyway, uh, so this, this is pretty much going to pass. Um, I, I, I say that a little bit hesitantly because I don't want to discourage people from continuing to write messages. If you are in, in Denver, uh, this is, the, you know, the ink is not dry on all of this yet. There's still another vote. Uh, and and your local officials need to hear from you. You you may not think that your story is all that impressive or different, but you never know. Uh, so uh, you know, take the shot, send the email, let them know uh, that vaping is very important to you, and that flavors were a crucial part in helping you quit. If there is any silver lining to this ordinance, it's the fact that it has a 2023 enforcement date. So. Uh, as far as this ordinance is concerned, products are not going to be banned in Denver until 2023. Uh, and that uh, hopefully gives uh, Denver residents and harm reduction advocates the opportunity to talk some sense into city council members uh, and, and perhaps mount some sort of a, a repeal campaign. Um, is there a quick question? Is there a, a month on that 2023 ordinance date? Uh, I, I didn't January look that, 1st, that kind of far thing, into or... the detail. I mean, I mean okay. it could probably be January 1. Um, yeah. I, it, usually they're either like a January 1st or a June 1st thing. Yeah. It's usually one of the two. Beginning, I was just middle curious of the year. 2022 is rapidly approaching. Well, yeah. So I was just, yeah. I was just curious. Um, and it'll be it'll feel like another five years until 2023 until we get there. And it'll be like just yesterday it was 2022. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to process 2020. I'm still trying to remember that 2020 happened. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> really, the rest of us are trying to forget. <laughs> yeah, most of us are trying to forget it. I, I have this thing. I, I forgot since, it. Since since the whole COVID thing, like all last year, I kept not being able to remember 2019, and and it's yeah. happened again this year. Like I, I I can I can remember 2018, the things that happened, but I keep having this weird momentary block on yeah. what happened anyway this is that's not part no, of the that's, legislative that's rundown the, that's the nicotine alex that's the nicotine. no that's that's brain just damage alex. nicotine brain, brain damage. Coping with the trauma of covid he just blocked it out he was like if, no, if, we're just if, if the brain worms would just cooperate right? with me i would have a stellar <laughs> memory Same. could you brain all those damage. little brains wriggling around inside my brain we could <laughs> we could harness our collective power and probably solve <laughs> right if the brains world. if the worm the brain worms would group together and form like a, a think tank for yeah. you inside your head like a brain great. we could have yeah. zoom meetings like brain. Awesome. <laughs> unfortunately they're just in there devouring crucial information <laughs> So we've completely anything. we've completely derailed the uh, legislative front down. Yeah, let's get back to legislation. <laughs> it's been too long. We haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, uh, moving right along. Uh, Portland, Maine. I think we updated this two weeks ago. I, I can't remember. Um, but uh, this, after all of the debate and hearings and back and forth, uh, Portland, Maine is going to come back in January, and we expect to see a final vote. Um, again, if you're in Portland, Maine, continue reaching out to your local officials and, and sharing sharing your experience. Um, Michigan is just always going to be on here until we get around to 
something happening. Um, but for those who are not familiar, um, uh, this is the tie barred legislation, which includes is it taxes and a flavor ban? Uh, I can't remember all the details, but that's okay. I'm just bringing it up so that everybody's aware that this is happening and we're keeping an eye on it. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, our um, uh, blog post this week has several uh, local alerts. Um, we've got Tempe, Arizona, which I don't think it did. Did I have a, we have uh, a call to action for that one? We have an engagement up for this. Uh-huh. I, I seem to remember this. Yeah, I can't even remember 2021. <laughs> no, yeah. Tempe was still a call to action. It was uh, Redwood and um, somewhere else in the East Coast that were heads up. I guess the East Coast? No, Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, uh, some place in Minnesota, some county. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get through all of these here, but um, just you know, basically mentions uh, you know whether or not we have a call to action for these municipalities or counties or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you have to wait for us to get involved, um, but we do have an engagement up for Tempe, Arizona, obviously Denver, Colorado, Nobles County, Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, is a flavor ban. I'll look into that in, in more detail and see if we can get something up for that. Um, that one's a little more, that, that one's actually not so bad because it seems like they're being fairly reasonable because even one of the counselors like, you know, do we really need to do a ban because of businesses and stuff? So that one, we could push that one in the right direction. I think we've got a good chance with that if they get enough people yeah. saying, yeah. I, I, I agree. I always love hearing um, local lawmakers injecting some, you know, reason into the debate uh, and 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 thinking of, you know, very practical reasons for why you would not want to put people out of business, especially right now. Um, but, uh, you know, we have heard this song before and where it's, things seem promising. Um, that's not enough to to really right. uh, invest in. So um, and also push them keep pushing them that direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any, any, any outreach there is, uh, is worthwhile. Um, oh, Redwood, I believe is misspelled here. Uh, it, it says Reedwood. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was typing fast last night. I'll fix that. We'll fix it. Um, uh, so uh, city council voted six to one in a meeting in favor of a flavor ban. Um, April, next April, uh, second reading is coming up in December, which we're in December. So I'll look into that and see whether or not that's something that we can still get something up. Um, so, uh, and yes, uh, just to, to answer the question here on the screen from Ridgecrest Vapors, um, I don't is, know the, do you want to read, read the question, question for so, our uh, Yeah, sorry for, for those listening at home and and not on the video screen. Um, California here from Ridgecrest Vapors. Since we have a vote next November to keep our flavors, if passed, cities can still ban, correct? Um, You know, the the referendum is to overturn SB 793. Uh, I don't know that it's actually implementing any new policies or I, I don't believe that it would be implementing uh, like a preemption clause. Uh, so really the the vote next November is to repeal SB 793, but it doesn't create any new policy. So yes, uh, municipalities, counties, uh, they would still be able to, to enact their own laws prohibiting sales of flavors. 
Um, so yeah, in California is just always it's California and Massachusetts is the same thing. You're just always going to be taking the brunt of this. Um, so Minnesota sorry. and Minnesota <laughs> too. Oh, I yeah. Swear. yeah, it's 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 we they got the the kind of coasts in the middle of the country covered there, uh, and I'm sure you know Austin, Texas as well. Um, so I fixed that redwood. So if you refresh the page, it should fix. Perfect. Okay. So uh, that is the end of the legislative rundown. Legislative rundown plus derailed side conversation. <laughs> we got a little off there, but that's okay. Merry Christmas. Um, Jerry's got a question, Alex. Have a lot of people taken part in the tax call to action? Um, yeah, we, we saw, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but um, you know, I think we were at about 20,000 at some point. Um, and that was sort of, that was for the first wave. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is what we, this is sort of the pattern that we see every time we put up a call to action, you know, that, that first uh, email blast gets the most participation and then it sort of trails off from there. Um, so any of any of you folks out there in in YouTube land or, you know, you're active on social media, you have a, a following, um, you may be a, a minor influencer. I don't know. Uh, but uh, any any amount of, of outreach and promoting the engagement to your followers uh, is very helpful. We you know, we get we had a lot of people in, you know, in our membership and, and, and we can try to encourage them to act. But pretty much, you know, like anything, it's, you know, if you get like five to 10% participation, you're doing phenomenal. Uh, yeah. And so five to 10% of our membership isn't really a whole lot. So um, any any extra help spreading that is is greatly appreciated. And that right there uh, really highlights kind of why we will hold sometimes on certain calls to action or certain engagements, because we want to get I don't know, a better term for it, the most bang for your buck. Essentially, you want that that big push at the right time, because after that big push, it's just kind of a trickle from there, you know? Yeah. So for anybody wondering, oh, why, you know, maybe sometimes we get the occasional why hasn't Kassab put something up for this yet? Because it's just not quite the right time. And we really want that big engagement at the right time. Right on. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, for all of that, uh, I think it is time to get in some takes. So take three time yet again, here we are. We've I will go first. out our take. Yeah, you. What? Oh, okay. I was just going to say, we didn't figure it out. I want to go like Kristen's got I it. it out. I just didn't tell you I kept it in here. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I was also talking and I didn't, I didn't even hear it. So I know. I will go first, then Alex and you. Oh, oh, I get to be the segue guy. Okay. You get to be the segue guy. Because it's kinda sorta kinda not really. I'm gonna talk about a drugs a lot, so that's cool. <laughs> talk about drugs today. All right. I have actually um where should I start here? Um what's your what's your take? My take, I'm talking about the um I totally lost my stuff. Where did it go? Um, I am talking about the survey, the eSig intelligence survey. And um, I think what happened was, was that 
I ended up there it is right there okay let's try it I had it all set up and then I'm like I'm gonna try to bring this up Share. well while you're finding that I, 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 I I'll, I'll add a little note here at the beginning um, for people who are familiar with this, and, and we put this out every year, it's a, we coordinate with eSig Intelligence to, um, uh, you know, get the get good questions out there, and um, also we typically do a post summarizing some of the data for people to use. Um, but uh, this year, sort of as expected, uh, participation in this has gone down. Um, and this is actually a, a, a relatively important survey. Um, it, it, you know, provides data for us to use, but it is also something that regulators are interested in. Uh, and so, you know, any, again, just like with the tax uh, call to action, any, any promotion of this from, from people who are listening and familiar with it uh, is certainly appreciated and worthwhile. So anyway, back to you. And while, well, while you were saying that, I was actually scrolling through our blog post from the 2019 data, um, showing some of the stuff that we got out of that. And some interesting things are things like the preferred e-liquid by age group. You know, you can see here, fruit by far is much more preferred by the age 55 and the 35 to 54. It's much more preferred than all the other flavors, just like it is with the younger people, 18 to 34. So this idea that because people are over the age of 35 or whatever, that they'd much prefer the tobacco flavor, which you can see over here. Um, they don't, even old, even the older generations prefer the fruit and the dessert and the candy and the custards, you know, so this is, this is good information to have. And it's also ammunition to use. Um, Cause most of the stuff we get, as you've listened to me over the last year, talk about studies that we have that they like to use cross-sectional stuff and they don't like to actually talk to us, you know, because apparently we're unicorns. Um, people who actually quit smoking by vaping. There you go. Um, yeah, so that's that's why it's important to have a lot of this data ourselves. You know. So what I'm going to do right here is I'm going to show you. This is the uh, what the survey looks like, and um, I'm just going to real quick run through it and kind of show you what because uh, nobody told me not to. Um, <laughs> What this is, and it only takes a couple minutes, so I'm just going to show you. And it, it's sometimes interesting because to talk about some of the questions and stuff. Boy, I wish I could check one of these, but I cannot. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's, let me get past this real quick. But you know, having knowing the the how often do you vape or use electronic cigarettes daily? You know, it's it's good to know these things. Um, this is very important information. Uh, and, and just for those of you who are wondering, uh, when you take the survey, you don't have to do it on a live stream. All of this information is private yeah. and none yes. of it really traces <laughs> back to you. So I'm yeah, actually going to really quick get past some of this stuff before we... Uh... <laughs> the, the, the more private information right out of the yeah, game. Are, are you, oh, you're, you're skipping the question about how many kittens you've murdered? <laughs> how many dogs we, we kick? Um... <laughs> Please don't kick dogs, everybody. Yeah, no. Just so you know, also, East Egg Intelligence doesn't care how many dogs you kick. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, my kitten side always, is not not a good thing. My husband always uh, teases me, says, 
I, I like to punch dogs because one time I turned real fast and I knocked my dog in the head and, and just with the back of my hand. And he's like, did you punch the dog? And now all the time it's, well, wow. you like punching dogs. <laughs> <never> Hashtag <laughs> Kristen punches dogs. <laughs> oh no, you're going to get canceled. All right. So that's about <laughs> private information. Um, I'm currently using tobacco nicotine products other than e-liquid. No. And see, I know some people are going to bristle at this. They're going to be like, well, it's not a tobacco product, you know, but just kind of go with it. You know, again, these are researchers. They don't uh, used to use it regularly. I've never regularly used tobacco nicotine products. At least it does say tobacco slash, slash nicotine. nicotine and, you know, this is one of the reasons that Casal works with them um, and that we like to work with researchers so we can help them phrase these questions. You know, when they start asking you things about all the puffs you've had, how many puffs do you take a day? I don't know about you, but I never count the puffs I've taken. Um, no. So apart from vape products, what did did you use regularly? I used tobacco cigarettes. I didn't use any of this other stuff. How often did you use them? I use them daily. How long ago did you quit using these? Over two years ago. And what would that be? September 2009. Is that 12 years? 12 and some change, yeah. 12 years. Um, so 12 years. We need more than some of these old timers doing this for sure. How many times a day did you use these products? I guess since I smoked about a pack a day, it would be 16 to 20. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's been so long. How many cigarettes come in a I pack? Know, right? And I think I might have been down to a half a pack or between a half pack. It depends on if I went out drinking or not. You know? Oh, yeah. That's always the... Uh... <laughs> That's always all right. The, list the, the first there. three vape e-cigarette related brands that come to your mind. Do I really have to do that? Why do I have to yeah. do that? Yeah, you have to <laughs> do, do it. Have to do that. Well, they don't necessarily come to my mind for a good reason. If you want, if you want to drop your screen on that one, so we don't have like name brands up, that, that's fine too. Can you drop it for me, or I gotta go? I'll have to go back over. No, I get I it. I get it. Okay. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> what'd you do? Nothing. We we were we had a little um, back and forth. Well, I have to give a shout out to my uh, my brand, and I guess I'll talk about the one that actually got approved, or I'm sorry, authorized. There you go. And then we'll talk about the one that everybody hates, because those top into my brain, but it seems to be those are the ones that, you know. Okay, so I'm good now. Can you put me back up, or do I have to do it? I got you. Okay. Alex, I'm just going to keep my hand away. <laughs> How long ago did you start vaping using e-cigarettes regularly, at least once a month. So again, that was 12 years ago. <laughs> All right. What is your main reason for vaping using electronic cigarettes? Please select only one. See, this one I always have trouble with because it's like, are they asking? Okay. Well, no, because down here it talks about what made you try it for the first time. So why do I use it now? Um, I like vaping now. Just like vaping. Know. I mean, I like chucking been, clouds, bro. <laughs> I've been quit for so long. I can't even, you know, I wouldn't be using the other, you know, yeah. I mean, and I didn't initially try them for, to quit. So, so I'm just going to say at this point, I just like it. Um, I can't think of anything as far as, I mean, I could go in a whole dissertation as to how I benefit from nicotine and all that under other, but I won't do that now. Um, you have that pre-written. Sure there's a character limit. Plug in. <laughs> Paste it right in there. What made you try it for the first time? Okay, select only one. So this is really hard because we were at that fair and it the guy's like, hey, try this. And it was like, oh, it's cheaper and I can use it indoors. I mean, so. 
you could marketing. You could, yeah, say you marketing. Could fill that in. Well, I got the free sample, or you could put other. Yeah, I guess I'd and have you could to just kind of summarize I, it, that. So, so predatory marketing isn't an option. <laughs> Is it? Uh, less expensive. I was just curious about brain worms, and I figured and, I'd have <laughs> firsthand experience. And could use indoors after. Uh, so, uh, Skip, um, question 16 actually has, um, if, if Kristen scrolls back up, to help me stop smoking tobacco entirely. And I think that would be probably the closest to that option that you're looking for. For which option? Uh, Skip is asking if there's an option for to prevent oh, relapse. That's why you read those questions out loud because people were only listening. I can't see the yeah. screen right now. Yeah. Yeah, I yelled at, oh, I didn't yell at Alex, but I got on Alex about not reading the question, and then I didn't read the question. I thought you were talking to me. Um, please rate the importance of the following weeks. factors when selecting your hardware device. Um, I guess the I don't know. Uh, the cost is pretty important to me. I don't like spending a bunch of money. Option to customize. Uh, eh. Convenience to buy. Eh. Ease of use. I mean, at this point, 12 years, everything's pretty easy to use. But I think that's actually pretty important because I don't do like coils, rebuildables and stuff like that. And appearance was actually, I owned mine because I thought it was pretty. So <laughs> I guess that was sure. pretty I guess that was pretty important. Madison um, Avenue strikes again. <laughs> How much do you agree or disagree with the following statements? Okay, FDA regulation will reduce the use of vaping products by minors. Um, I guess I pretty much disagree with that because I think they're going to get it no matter what, whether you regulate or not. I mean, alcohol is regulated. Every, you know, they're still going to get it. But I trust products with synthetic nicotine. I pretty much agree with that. Discarded vaping products pose a serious risk to the part. Well, it, it can. Um, I'd be willing to mix my own e-liquid if my favorite flavor is unavailable. Yeah. I'm addicted to nicotine. I don't know. I mean, I don't agree with it being an addiction at this point. Nicotine is bad for me. No, I do not agree with that either. Are flavor vaping products banned where you live? Well, I mean, would you say technically they, some are, I mean, cause that's, they're not in Wisconsin. They're not in my city, but they are. Certain products are banned in the country. No, it's uh, it. I, I think. Well, totally for you, like Massachusetts or something. Yeah, or like New like, York. Yeah, I, I think you're fine in Wisconsin. Well, yeah, now. we don't have anything in Wisconsin, but I'm not sure if they mean. Is this just? Is this just uh, a U.S. thing? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So they would mean states then. They would mean states. If flavored nicotine baby products were banned, which of the following would you do? Uh, I would continue to use my current device, seeking alternative means to get my favorite flavor. Sorry, this is going to stick in my head now because of that last question. Um, I, I would say anybody who has a question about that, technically no, because you still have synthetic nicotine out there that's not under FDA regulation at the moment. True. So Yeah, true. Um, yeah, but as far as, I mean... Technically speaking, yeah, all flavors that are not um, haven't been granted that provisional authorization through FDA are technically banned. Okay, can only do one on that one. 
I'm not sure if I wasn't able to do that. I'm not sure. I have a freezer full of nicotine right now. So <laughs> I just have to get Doug to teach me how to do stuff. If your usual source of vaping products were unavailable, how far would you be willing to travel to obtain your supplies? Well, I've already have to have, before we had a vape shop in town, I already had to travel like 50 miles away. So, um, what's that one song? I'd walk 10,000 miles. miles. No, 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 that, you know, no, 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 vape liquid is. Have you bought a disposable e-cig in the past six months? No, I have not. Um, how many other questions are there? Whoa, what the heck is this? Um, which category your primary device belongs to? Well, what's the difference between a basic open system device and an advanced open system? I have a, I have an iLeaf with a, uh, it's like smoke tech with a baby beast tank. I, that would be, I think that's what they would consider. They actually go into detail if you Do scroll they? down to the oh, questions a little bit. Um, but I believe that falls into the basic. Oh, um, I was say advanced. Device so yeah, advanced device. would be like your RDAs, your mechs, uh, things like that. Over 50 watts. I don't think mine's over 50. I don't think mine is that. I think mine's a lower wattage. Okay, so I'll do basic. I'm basic. I don't like being basic, though. So basic, Kristen. How <laughs> long have you been using this category of vaping device? Well over two years. I don't know. Like, um. How long have you been using coil head I, tanks? Uh, Drew was still alive when I got my first vape. So what would that be? Like 2014, maybe? So that would Your be first like. first mod? Yeah, Drew gave me my first mod. Oh, wow. Um, so that would be, I was still, I wouldn't have one if it wasn't for Drew. What, what would that be? Uh, 2014. Uh, should I just say 10 years? No, I'll say. Seven years? No. I'll say eight years. I'm going to guess eight years. It's not a test, people. Okay. Which category or previous device that you used most often before this one belonged to? Uh, wasn't a rechargeable Sigalike? It was a 510, your basic 510. So that'd be a rechargeable. So you like, right? Mm -hmm. As cigarette shape, you can use pre five. Okay. But I didn't, but I didn't pre, but I didn't, blah, 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 blah. Um, I didn't use pre-filled cartridges. We filled our own. Yeah. You had cardomizers back. I, I don't think that like, uh, like the, the pen style with a cardo is on I there. Know. I mean, maybe refillable open pod would be i guess kind of closer yeah i think you're right do, do kids these days even know what a cardamizer is <laughs> probably not if the kids these days are vaping the the marijuanas then they might know what a cardo is but those are cartridges right but it's, i don't think it's, the it's, i don't think the cannabis people call them cardamizers I but i believe they are yeah um, yeah it's, like it's, in tech Technically, and I think that the term cart, I always thought the term cart came from cartomizer. Yeah. All right. So it says, if you change your device, what was your main reason to do so? Should I do other Drew gave it to me? Because <laughs> I yeah, totally. Sure. Um, should I really? Sure. Just put uh, Drew gave it to me. Store owner. Or you could just say, you know, a friend gave Trash. it to me or whatever. They don't. They, I'm pretty sure that Eastic Intelligence doesn't know who Drew is. Oh. Van pulled up and I bought a $2 pair of sunglasses and I was gifted. 
it was thrust into my hands by a pushy seller. I said a vape store owner slash friend gave me it because my device was so outdated. Um, where do you usually purchase your current type of device you use more often? Snapchat. It depends. Um, the last time I did it was an online store because I didn't have it at my local vape shop. So I guess I'll just say online. Um, <clears throat> in the past six months, did you increase, keep the same, or decrease any of the following? I'd see. How do I know this? In the past, did you increase, keep? I'm, I, I mean, I think I kept it the same. I might have gone through it faster. Who knows? Um, not applicable. Uh, past six months, I probably don't even buy one in six every six months. <laughs> I probably take like a year. I mean, zero six months ago to now is still zero. Kept the vape same. Yeah. Product purchases in vape stores. I kind of decreased it because they stopped carrying my liquid. Um, nicotine concentration you use the most often. I kept the same usage of alternatives to other. Not applicable. Okay. Um, are we almost done? You said this only took a couple minutes. I have no idea, but we're really not not selling that this is a quick thing to do. <laughs> well, well there's been a lot of chit chat about it. Yeah. I, I when I sat down and did the survey, it, it took me less than 10 minutes to get through the whole thing. Well, I like, think probably like seven or eight minutes, uh just clicking right through it. Was yeah, and I want people to see this and maybe they might have some of the same questions when they're doing the questions. So we're kind sure. of answering that too. So uh select the main piece of hardware you last purchased in the three months. I got a kit. But I have not purchased in the last three months. So, okay. Um, do you have any other vaping device that you use as secondary device? It's the same thing. I have a backup of my exact same thing. <laughs> Please select one that describes you best. I buy ready to use bottled e liquids. Yes. Do you vape nicotine containing e liquid at least once a month? Yes. Didn't I say that already earlier? Um, they, they'll, the, the thing about service is they'll, they'll ask you pretty much the same question, but worded differently. And now it's with e trip people up okay. and, and make, make sure they're e getting authentic answers. The following criteria when specific e-liquid brands. Price is very important. Flavor taste is very important. Uh, country of origin. Uh, well, eh, okay. I'm a little. Yeah, you seem a little on the first. I'm a little American-centric, sorry. <laughs> but not for any particular reason. I just prefer the quality that i've gotten but lower I, shipping also, costs i also stick to one same thing so thick vapor clouds not important at all the bottle packaging not important trusted source yeah i can say that's hmm. having maximum vg is not on the top <laughs> of your list do you use traditional nicotine non-salt liquid at least once a month yes that's the only thing i use um what brand is this type of liquid uh i'll come Alex, do you want, can I come back to that? Can I just skip Probably it? not. Well, but where I'll, you... I'll take you down for a second. Okay, wanna... just a second. Okay. And I, did and I was going to really quick while you're doing that highlight there, that one question, if you have multiple devices or if you use other devices, just so folks know, there is like kind of a separate A through D part to that. If you hit yes, like I did, that'll take you another, I don't know, minute. Okay. So you can come back up. Um, okay. Thank you much. Last purchase. How many bottles did you purchase this brand of the following? I did like a mass purchase. I bought um, 400 120 mil <laughs> bottles. I did. Okay, these are 100 mil bottles, and I did 15, I think it was. Well, 30 if you count the ones I got my husband. <laughs> they have a special deal if you buy a certain bunch, and then they also had them on sale. Okay, how much did you spend on these bottles? Um, 
I don't know, it was like $200, I think. I'm guessing. How many days does a amount of liquid lasted? Well, it's good. <laughs> um, a bottle a week. So, I mean, come on, this is making this hard. Wait, hold on. So, a bottle a week. 15 weeks. 15 weeks. Yeah, why am I even doing It's like, what, just shy of four months? 15 weeks is how many days? 15? 15 times 30. 105? No. 15. 15 oh, times yeah. 7. Yeah, 15 times 7, right? Oh, yeah, 15 yeah. times 7. Not yeah, what, what did I say that was? 107? I'm going to. Um, 105. Yeah. 105. Okay. That's a weird odd number. I didn't know that didn't seem right. Um, strength of nicotine do you usually use? Three milligrams. Thank you for being an easy one. And then do you use nicotine salt? No. And probably why diverge off to other things if you say yes to some of these questions. So uh, your top three. Um, where's fruit? <laughs> no. Uh Alias, you're correct. Uh, you, everybody should take the survey. Uh, this is this is the educational and informative part of the show, not necessarily the entertainment segment. No, sorry. Although we are trying to be a little entertaining. Okay. Um, and then on a weekly basis, how many different flavors of e-liquid do you use in rotation? I really only use the one because I'm basic. <laughs> you ever bought a vaping product with synthetic nicotine? I don't know. I might. I mean, I don't know. I might have. No, because I don't. I they don't claim the ones that, although that my brand says they are turning to synthetic. So please select one options with respect to the following options. Synthetic. I uh, haven't tried it, but would like to. I mean, I really don't care. I wouldn't say I'd like to. I, I mean, I don't care. I'd I don't like care. to if that's the only option. I don't, I don't care if it's got it or not. I mean... Not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. Okay. Just to answer uh, though Bai's question, is this for U.S. only? Um, I don't know that there's anything that would kick you out if you're an international respondent, but we are only distributing this in the United States, or at least to our membership, um, which I know is, is, you know, we have people internationally who've signed up to get emails from us. Um, but for the most part, this is a U.S. centric, um, U.S. consumer survey. So, yeah. So, and again, um, and that was it. That was it. Then. Cool. Um, so, was that forty-seven questions? Yeah, I mean, it was hardly. I mean, really, it wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. And again, here's those those things that you know, all this different, all this different information that they can get from it that can help us with advocacy. So the more information we have, the better. And a lot of times they don't talk to us. They talk to people who buy views and jewel, you know, and I have just one quick thing that I need to do for Danielle. And that is talking about um, our new store. Um, she put up some really cool stuff. Yeah. The uh, no more nicotine war shirt is I mean, look at I'm going to be ordering that. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool. And it's so funny because she told me about this one here, the harm reductions for people who don't want to quit or die. And I totally forgot that I had said that. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, we're quoting you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, the weapons of mass disruption. Uh, vaping saves lives. Vaping saved my life. Um, 
Yeah, so please go check those out. We don't, and it's not just t-shirts. We've got uh, face masks, neck gaiters, stickers, buttons, phone cases, mugs, notebooks. Um, these bags are kind of cool. A lot of people sometimes will put like their, uh, what am I? We'll put their uh, gear in it. You know, there's tote bags and, and uh, stuff like that. So um, yeah, uh, very cool awesome stuff. Our, our uh, state t-shirts are taking a little bit of a hiatus, but we still have them uh, in there. So they might be doing a little bit of rotation there. So um, I don't know breeze tones about Australia shipping. Um, yeah. It's through the, all, all of those uh, items are through threadless. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I assume that's something that you'll fill out at the end of checking out. And yes, uh, now Danielle is a boss and I'm glad to hear you're going to get some. So uh, any battery cases left? Skip is asking. Uh, I, I have boxes of oh, battery yeah, that's cases. Right. <laughs> so Skip, uh, send me an email and and when we'll figure, or just shoot me a chat and and we'll we'll figure out how I can get you some. Uh, but they're they're eighteen six fifty. We don't have the new whatever bigger size, which was totally news to me at an event a couple of years ago when people were like, mine doesn't fit. I thought, when did? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't bigger. fit 2650s. You can't fit 2700s. What about 2700s, Alex? What about my D-cell batteries? <laughs> just, you just have to keep them in your pocket next to your keys. That's oh, yeah. Like that no case. Just rattling around with your loose change. Please, nobody do that. Don't do Please that. don't. That, do that just happened again in England. Somebody yeah. did you know, all the inner pocket started on fire because she had it. You're like, oh, we just found out that they, uh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, how did you not know that? I mean, so much stuff going around about that. Do not put loose batteries. Use a battery case like this. Uh, See, my battery. The, uh, the company that my my roommate works for, uh, he started recently, and they have a no vaping on the premises policy, and it has nothing to do with hysteria around health effects and whatnot. But somebody All was batteries. carrying uh, batteries in their pocket, or or it was in their vape, something happened, a battery vented, it went off. So they were like, no vapor products. But if you want to smoke, there's a room all the way in the back that you can go out and smoke at. Wow. Like what? It's, it's, absurd. you could do that every single day and take that risk every single day. But for the rare, extremely rare occasion that something like that, right. and even, even if we were looking at fire hazard potential, Cigarettes win that still one. doesn't make any sense. There's no yeah. justification for it whatsoever. Yeah. Nope. Need your panic. All right, Alex, yep. you're up for your take. Sorry, All right. that longer than I expected, but I think it was worth it. That's okay. Everybody knows what to expect now. Um, so uh for my take here, I, I, I'm actually doing a bit of a combination uh because I like to throw surprises at Kristen and keep her on her toes. Um, but, uh, the one thing that is in our blog is, uh, this article from Jim McDonald, vaping 360, also a CASA board member, um, anti-vape groups ask judge Grimm to monitor FDA's PMTA progress. And just to, for a little summary here, um, this is in regard to the American Academy of people who look after your children, um, and, uh, versus FDA, and they want to reopen their case, uh, which was all about uh, they sued the FDA to move the PMTA compliance deadline from 2022 back to 2018. Uh, and then they had to settle for 2019 or 2020, um, which 
got pushed back again because of the pandemic. And then, you know, we were here now and everything's horrible. Um, so, uh, but they want to reopen the case to compel FDA to provide regular status updates uh, as to where they are with all of the other applications, specifically something like the top 10 companies by market share. Um, and uh, they claim that uh, FDA's current actions uh, are essentially the agency extending an unlawful regulatory holiday for unauthorized vape products. Um, and and I, I my my take on at least you know this situation, not so much Jim's article, Jim's article is very good and, and lays out all the details and background. Um, my, my take on the situation here is, um, you know, in defense of FDA's discretionary authority, not not the approval process, but, you know, what we're sort of dealing with now, we're, we're dealing with it. So um, this is something FDA's discretionary authority needs to be protected. The agency has fought to protect their uh, their ability to, to make their own decisions based on the science. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not something that we should be leaving up to the court or Congress. Uh, the, the court system is not science-based, at least not from a, you know, chemical, toxicological, public health kind of uh, perspective. Um, I'm sure there's some, you know, whatever, legal science, sure, fine. But that's not the appropriate forum for determining whether or not these products are appropriate for the protection of public health. Uh, and so I don't really want the court compelling FDA to do things that are not mandated um, in, in the Tobacco Control Act, um, the Tobacco Control Act is, is sort of playing out to be a bit of a disaster. Um, and it, it doesn't matter which side of this debate you're on. Nobody's really happy with what's with what's happening. Um, but, it, you know, I look at this latest lawsuit against FDA here, which it's not really a lawsuit, is it? It's not separate. But um, this latest attempt uh, to pressure FDA uh, this is, you know, yet another attempt to erode FDA's credibility as the arbiter of data. Uh, and this is all sort of happening via innuendo. We mentioned a few a few times um, uh, several weeks ago when when acting commissioner, F acting FDA commissioner Janet Woodcock was hauled in front of a, uh, a Senate committee or was it was the House, um, whatever, Congress, um, and was just, you know, beaten up for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes by different lawmakers uh, asking about FDA's progress on uh, authorizing or denying product applications for, for paper products. Um, and uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me, one, I'm sure probably many things was, and I, I forget the senator or the representative from Tennessee, I think asked uh, Janet Woodcock um, whether or not she was familiar with TIPSAC. Uh, and Janet Woodcock shockingly was, I don't know if she was having an Aleppo moment or just is genuinely not familiar with the Tobacco Product Scientific Advisory Committee, which is written into the Tobacco Control Act. Um, and it seemed as though this lawmaker was trying to suggest that TIPSAC was not trustworthy. Um, and it, 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 whether, however deep you want to go into that, if you want to pull out the, the, the fact that there are industry representatives sitting on the committee, they're non-voting members, they are there in an adv advisory capacity, just pretty much like the entire committee. Um, so I, it, it seems that there is this mild effort 
at uh, discrediting the FDA as somehow owned by the industry. It's very easy to point to this. I think some of you know advocates on our side have pointed to that, that the Center for Tobacco Products is entirely funded by user fees. Um, so, you know, you can you can use that either way you want, but um, neither here nor there. Um, ultimately, as I said, this this latest effort is all about discrediting FDA's uh, ability to regulate these products. Um, FDA is having problems regulating these products for other reasons, uh, and and so maybe we should have a you know let let's have a, a public and, and critical conversation about why FDA is having the problems that it's having. Um, not uh, let's let's put them under surveillance. I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna get anything out of this. Um, it, it, it's I mean even if FDA is compelled to um, produce these status reports. Um, I can't imagine them saying much more than like, yep, well, we got through page 1 million and two on this application and we'll get back to you when we get to page 2 million. Um, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's all that they should say. Um, so anyway, um, this particular story, I think uh, I, I kind of wanted to smush this together with a post from Clive Bates um, in Tobacco Reporter. Uh, transformers versus abolitionists, um, and and essentially how this lawsuit fits into to what he's saying here, and I think what a lot of folks have been saying um, over the years, uh, in that, uh, you know, one of the things that I pointed out on Twitter, it, oh, and, and I I didn't queue up the video because we have a hard time sharing videos here, but there's a great exchange between Dr. Michael Siegel and Matt Myers and uh, Meredith Bergman. Uh, Matt from Campaign for Tobacco for Kids, Meredith from Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes, um, and in which he basically calls out their their lies on national television, uh, and uh, and pushes back against you, you know the claims that this that, that these products don't help people quit smoking, et cetera, um, and the, you know ultimately, you know the Tobacco Control Act is something that that Matt Myers had a hand in 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 writing. Uh, and and this this is this is the result of his work, not solely his work, but he certainly had a very significant role to play in crafting and implementing the Tobacco Control Act. And now that they've gotten what they wanted, and the authorization process is actually being tested, now the true colors are starting to come out, and it is all about, despite what they say, making it near impossible to. Uh, introduce new nicotine or tobacco products to the market, uh, which is a, a $20 way of saying prohibition, prohibition by paperwork. Um, and so, uh, you know, it has become more and more clear that the goal of the anti-tobacco crusaders is anti-nicotine. They want to eradicate uh, this abhorrent substance use, essentially. Um, and, uh, so a, a couple of points that Clive brings up here, which is, is, is really interesting that, um, you know, first of all, there's no evidence to support the idea that nicotine use is in decline. Um, meaning that this is, uh, you know, the other, other part of this is that, that nicotine use has been, uh, a part of humanity. It's been a part of human behavior for thousands of years. 
this is something that we've grown up with as a species. And so to think that we're going to, you know, uh, breed this out of society, uh, that's, that's, that's a, a monumental and very expensive effort. Uh, if you've seen the salaries of people who run these organizations, um, they are certainly being paid well for their, for their efforts. And, and of course, all of the people down line uh, who, uh, you know, are just carrying out their actions, uh, even all the way down to public health departments. Uh, so uh, it, it's sort of like the drug war. We've spent, what, billions of dollars trying to say no to drugs? 48 of those billions every year. 20, did you say 28 billion? Oh, $48 billion a year. $48 billion on the war on drugs, and we haven't accomplished annually. anything. Annually. We haven't, $48 million annually on the war on drugs. We haven't accomplished anything except for generate some photos, some snapshots of state troopers standing behind card tables with a bunch of drugs on them. And the uh, highest incarceration rate in the entire world. So if you're thinking in terms of strategy, what's the best way to improve public health? Is it going to be spending billions of tax dollars trying to uh, coerce people into changing their behaviors? Uh, or is it going to be about actually reducing the harms of using certain products? Um, so anyway, um, the other thing about sort of the history here is that, um, you know, with the the I, I, we've been watching some documentaries on things and um, we we have access to the most information ever in the history of the world right now today. Tomorrow we're going to have more. And. That being the case, we're able to look back, dig deeper into our past. We find out that substance use is actually something that humans evolved with. Uh, and so, it, you know, if you if, if people are coming at this whole nicotine and tobacco thing as abhorrent drug use uh, and we don't want that. Well, let's take a longer historical perspective about humans relationship to drugs and we find out that it's really not that much of an outlier. It's actually quite normal. Uh, and so, you know, that's, I think, kind of, that's the fatal flaw in the anti-nicotine war is uh, that this is, this is not going away. It's never going away. We as a species have grown up with it. And so you're really just setting money on fire and, and, and keeping people uh, in the dark, keeping people sick, keeping people hooked on products that, that are, are, are harming them. Um, so anyway, uh, that uh, the other take on uh, the other uh, point that Clive raises is, of course, as we just as I just mentioned, prioritizing the elimination of nicotine use actually results in more harm because, as I mentioned, you're keeping people in the dark about safer alternatives uh, and and sort of you know keeping people just using the same old harmful product and uh, in for his. Uh, the rest of his point here, Clyde brings up the EU snooze ban, um, which we have data on just how big of a failure this is. And simply put, it's looking at the, you know, smoking attributable diseases in Sweden versus the rest of the European Union. And they are lower. They are, you know, remarkably lower in Sweden compared to the rest of the EU where snooze is banned. Um, fortunately for other EU member countries, um, you know, snooze manufacturers are able to make products called chew bags, uh, which are distinctly different from snooze. Uh, however, it, it's the same kind of uh, processing that it's, uh, excuse me, it's pasteurized 
it, it's not it's not the same kind of uh, it's not fermented like American moist snuff. It's not as harsh, so it it, it has the same kind of accessibility, if you will, uh, in that it, it's not going to sting as much. It's not going to make you sick if you swallow the juice, um, and it, it's it's discreet and and you can use it instead of smoking. Um, so hopefully that catches on in Europe and we start to see things uh, change with that. But um, anyway, all of that to say, um, I, I feel like, you know, again, my take on this is that, you know, what we're seeing with the AAP and, and versus FDA uh, and, and what Clive has laid out here is uh, really it's just more of the same. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, trying to, to sow distrust in the regulator uh, and um, the ultimate goal here, of course, is to just take all of these nicotine products off the market and leave people with cigarettes. So um, a nicotine free society. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, I figure I, I guess the, the rationale is. Um, you know, I, I, I read a book, uh, uh, driving and, and infrastructure and, and transit and stuff are, are things that I do in my spare time. <laughs> but, um, uh, there's a book called, uh, um, it, I think it's called Traffic. Uh, it's Why We Drive the Way We Do and What It Says About Us. Uh, it's an excellent book uh, for anybody who's ever been frustrated behind the wheel of a car. Um, and I, I think it was either in this or, you know, the comedian may have brought this up at some point is if you want to make cars safer, take out the airbags and replace them with like a 10 inch spike. <laughs> no one will drive above 35 miles an hour. That's funny. That's funny when you say it. Right. But in reality, that doesn't make any sense. But that's exactly what the tobacco or the nicotine control people are trying to do is. We're going to take the airbags away and leave everybody with the 10 inch spike, which is a pack of cigarettes. And the thinking is that since it's so dangerous over time, people will immediately or people will eventually you know, recognize this and just stop buying the products. Um, but that's not how drugs work. That's not how people work. Uh, that's not how markets work. And so um, so we're left with kind of this disaster and people being harmed needlessly. So and they always forget that. You know, they always say 70% of smokers say they want to quit. Now, we'll ignore the fact that, yeah, they say that, but they most of them don't. Um, but there's always that other 30% who don't say that they want to quit. So <laughs> they're never going to resolve that. It was always, for me, it was whoever asked me. Like, if, if, like, my family asked me or people I was super close to that really, like, cared genuinely about me, I was always like, yeah, I'm going to quit. Don't worry. Like, I definitely want to quit. But like my my friends or whatever that I was outside smoking with, I didn't want to quit. You know, I loved smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the thing. Alex, is that are you good on your take? Yeah, I think I'm done. I, I meandered okay. a little bit there and I hope I'm going to meander. Just no, that's a little an excellent bit. article. I'm sorry. And I did put the link in the chat and I'll put it in the description later on that one by Clive. You definitely should read that. I'm going to meander just really quickly. I know we're running, we're kind of running a little bit long right now. I'm going to meander really quickly before I get into my take, uh, just because I wanted to pull up some drug war stats. Uh, this is from DPA's site. DPA is an excellent org. Uh, number of drug arrests in 2020 for drug law violations, 1,155,610. Most of that simply for possession, sales, possession. Here you go. Uh, 24% of those arrested were black people. 
uh, we can go into the, the different synthetics, marijuana, heroin, cocaine, uh, number of people currently incarcerated in the U.S., 2.3 million. Uh, one in five are incarcerated for a drug offense. And then I don't want to go through all of this, but just uh, we were talking kind of monetary stuff, which is down here. Uh, the financial impact, $293 million worth of equipment transferred from the military to law enforcement uh, in 2019, $47 billion per year enforcing drug prohibition. Uh, so yeah, there you go. When you talk about the annual cost, just financial cost, that's just money, not, not human lives. Uh, that's a lot of money to spend every year uh, to fight inanimate powders and molecules and plants. Um, so yeah, there we go. Anyways. In a point, and that was a point that I made when, uh, uh, Glance had some stupid article that he wrote about how cannabis use is on the rise where it's been legalized and everybody, I forget who answered him. Somebody tweeted back at him, yeah, and water's wet. So, um, you know, but, but that was a point that I made is that by focusing only on what, on the health, possible health ramifications of that. And really with, with cannabis, it's mainly the smoking of it. Um, very similar to smoking cigarettes, but you don't smoke that usually as much, but some people are getting to the point where they are almost. Um, but they they ignore the lives lost by the war on drugs. They completely yeah. ignore the, the 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 drug dealers or sellers, the the users and the bystanders who with the high rates of crime who've lost their lives and who've lost their lives by having to go to jail. I mean, that's a, a way of losing your life you know, and they, they ignore all that. And being in jail is not a healthy thing either. You know, so that to me, that war on the war on drugs have done just as much damage, if not more by. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the war on drugs, when you really get down to it, isn't, it, it's not a war on drugs. It's a war on people. Yeah. It's a war on our own people. Um, and, and I was going to say really too incredibly that destructive. And I was going to say too, and this might be a good transition for you getting into your uh, your take, is that they also do not see, they only see drug use from the vantage point of debilitating addiction. They can sure, never, sure. they can never see the benefits, and more so even with nicotine, because sure. with all the other drugs, they say, okay, well, they're they're escaping, they're they're numbing pain, they're, but because they say there's no benefit from nicotine to people, it's just the addiction. And the only reason they feel bad or whatever is because they, they can't get their next dose of nicotine. You know, they're just completely ignoring why we start using it in the first place. It's almost worse with that because they sort of have this, nobody believes that nicotine has any benefits. And then they, it makes it easier I mean, for them to say, there's with, no reason for them to be using it's just the addiction. It's just the addiction. There's no benefit. Well, you can kind of see with any other addiction, addiction use, with any other kind of use, that there's there's an escape. There, It, it makes you feel better. It gets you high. It, but nicotine doesn't do that. So they can't, they can't find any good or any reason why people would use it other than the fact that they're addicted. But people do get a benefit from it. And that may be one reason why it's very hard for them to quit when they're trying to quit other addictions and the segue go. Oh, that's a beautiful segue. <laughs> I mean, yes to all of that. And I would love to spend the next three and a half hours breaking down everything right. that you just said, but 
we don't have we don't quite have that amount of time um but we're gonna take a little trip down to the city of brotherly love or up or over depending on where you live uh for alex and i it would be down philadelphia uh philly's addiction treatment smoking ban ends leaving this is from helen redman uh who's just a fantastic human being this is uh in filter uh the horribly misguided smoking and vaping ban in philadelphia city funded drug treatment programs including outdoor spaces has finally been lifted uh the ban was passed in 2018 implemented in 2019 it applied to 80 inpatient addiction treatment programs including nine detox facilities 32 short-term and 31 long-term rehabilitation programs and eight halfway houses uh yeah this was uh, there's only one or two other real real key critical uh, paragraphs. I want everybody to read this entire article, but there's a few here that I really wanted to highlight. Um, uh, Borman presented data uh, at a meeting in July this year at which Dr. Bowen was present. Bowen knew that there was a ban and that it was having harmful impacts. Most tragically, people have died of overdose after refusing to go into treatment because they could not smoke cigarettes there. Uh, over the past three years, this monumental step backward from harm reduction oriented approach has led to preventable overdose death, reincarceration, and other drug use related harms. When somebody says they want to stop using deadly fentanyl, but they are not looking to or ready to stop smoking or vaping, we need to roll out the red carpet and usher that person into treatment as if it were urgent life or death matter, because in Philadelphia and beyond, it most certainly is. Um, and again, I'm not going to read this entire article. Those are just a few kind of quotes and statements I wanted to highlight. This is fantastic news out of Philadelphia. This is a ban that should have never happened in the first place. Uh, when we're talking about people who are ready and actively seeking help um, or, or getting the help they need, discouraging them in any way, like, no, you can't go outside to have a cigarette. Um, is just detrimental. Uh, it's it's a barrier to access for a lot of people. I know just from a per, from personal experience, um, I was a very heavy meth user back in the day. And when I, I was quitting, when I was stopping my meth usage and tapering down, I, I can remember people telling me, oh, now the next thing you got to do is quit smoking. And I remember thinking like, no, like, <laughs> don't take that from me. Like, let me have this is my last bastion of pleasure and enjoyment and I did. I just kept smoking. And if it wasn't for like I when I was stopping my meth usage, I was up to like two and a half packs a day for a while because I would just smoke and smoke and smoke. And I firmly believe that if it wasn't for cigarettes, I don't know as though I would have gotten through that period the way that I did, because it was something I could fall back on, something I could still enjoy, something that was mine, something that other people weren't going to take away from me. And so had I gone through a facility like this and somebody had said, hey, you got to quit smoking or you can't smoke during this, there's a good chance I would have left. I would have just flat out left. And many people were leaving. Many people were refusing to go uh, and get the help that they desperately needed because of this smoking and vaping ban. So kudos to Philly. Uh, my take here is really short and sweet. This is just a really good thing. I know that we don't want to see people, uh, you know, smoking. We don't want to encourage smoking. Uh, but when it comes to uh, this drug supply, this toxic and poison drug supply that we're in right now, which is a matter of life and death tomorrow, we can tackle the the uh, issue of smoking or, or whatever down the road uh, where diseases take decades uh, to develop as opposed to somebody leaving a facility and uh, and going out and, and using and overdosing and, and dropping dead uh, today. 
so there's a there's a very different sense of urgency there, and uh, it's just a just big kudos to Philadelphia for and all the advocates that work tire tirelessly to get this overturned. I think this is just a fantastic thing. Yeah, and I think didn't they actually? I thought vaping was included in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaping was included in the ban, and it's it's <laughs> also now. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a really good article. I don't know if Helen wrote that one too, or if that was in Filter, but there was another good article that talked about my friend died because of this. Yeah, that's an also article. in our blog, and that's about Bobby, um, yeah. who's a who's a real young gentleman who um, basically refused to go into treatment because he he refused to quit smoking, wasn't able to quit smoking, tried, wasn't able to quit smoking, uh, and, and ended up dying from an overdose. Yeah, and that would be the blog, not this recent blog, but the one from last, the one yes, from yeah. previous. Right. So. I, just, just to add uh, maybe a little layer of, of color here or context, um, I, I don't know what it is now, but I remember when we were um, fighting against the indoor, against the place ban for vaping in, in Philadelphia years ago, um, smoking prevalence in Philly is like 25%. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, yeah, you're talking about a lot high. of people. I mean, it, you, you could swing a cat and, and hit somebody who's affected by this, uh, yeah. wow. these, these conditions for treatment. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, I don't have any articles or anything pulled up. And I'm, I'm going to just really quick, huge shout out while we're on the topic of uh, drug treatment and harm reduction. Just shout out to New York City, because New York City did just open the country's first two uh, safe consumption sites, um, which I think is just a fantastic thing. Uh, so shout out to both Philadelphia and New York City this time around for doing amazing things for, for people who use drugs. And that's something we have to be careful about, too. What popped in my head when you were talking about that um, and but you're not wanting to quit smoking and stuff. And there was a, there was a Twitter conversation I remember getting involved in and somebody had said, you know, the ultimate goal for vaping is to get people to wean off of nicotine. And I, I was like, no, no. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's never been the goal. It's supposed to be replacing the source of nicotine. Some yeah. people may use it that way. And that's where we get a lot of misinformation where people are always saying, we see an article all the time, uh, e-cigarettes were invented as a smoking cessation, but they don't get, no, they weren't invented as smoking cessation. I mean, smoking, yes, but not nicotine cessation. The whole point was to yeah. be an alternative and and I, I forget it was a whole different thread where I came back and I said, "Look, I, I hardly have. I don't. I don't do any other kind of drugs. Uh, I don't know where Alex went. It almost looked like he got edited he out. Of the I think, so we had. He had. He definitely like had a little laggy glitch. So oh, while he was leaving, <laughs> so he just like he just like vanished. <laughs> he just vanished. Um, but yeah. So I, I, I was like, I, I don't do any other kind of drugs. I barely drink alcohol, you know, at holidays, that's about pretty much when I drink alcohol. I've, I've lost a bunch of weight. I, I walk five times a week. I eat healthy. Let me have the nicotine, you know, it's like other people, you know, I mean, the only thing I think I do is I do get caffeine. I drink coffee. I have no high risks of any diseases. I see the doctor regularly, you know, so it, it just doesn't make any sense where I'm all these things, but you're saying I, I have to get that much more healthier like putting nicotine too so yeah and i mean it was honestly like <laughs> when when you're when you're trying to stop use of a of a drug that you're having a problem with and people are now immediate like like i was in the middle of of quitting meth and people were like now your next step is quitting smoking and it, it almost like 
it diminishes what I'm already trying to accomplish hmm. by, by immediately establishing my next goal for me, you know, it's a really, honestly, it's a really discouraging thing because it's like, what I'm doing is now not enough for you. You know, now I need to yeah. do this other thing for you. Um, so yeah, I, it just a big shout out to Philadelphia for overturning that. And, and, uh, hopefully more people will go, uh, seek the help that they need and get the help that they need. And, um, and we'll see, we'll see less, less tragic overdose deaths. And I haven't had every deal- overdose death is, is a policy failure. I haven't had to deal with that, but I mean, I, I just could imagine I lost, you know, when I changed my diet and how I was eating, I lost 50 pounds. If I said to somebody, Hey, I just lost 50 pounds. And they said, Oh, that's great. And I got to lose that other 20. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> Let me enjoy my accomplishments <laughs> here before we, yeah. 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 It's like, geez. Okay. I, I, I wanted to add something. The, the, the discussion about goals and so on um, reminded me of this. Um, first of all, I, this is what I stepped away to find. It's just the dust cover. I swear I have the book. I just hate dust covers. Um, uh, <laughs> Drug use for grownups by Dr. Carl Hart. I recommend to everyone uh, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, um, you know, it, 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 I think society's understanding of drug treatment is that the ultimate goal is to stop using drugs. Um, but that's not really the, the, I, I, I don't believe that is the, but for some people that makes sense. For example, you know, I, I struggled with alcoholism for many years and I don't drink anymore, but you know, it's, it's not. At this point, I mean, I've been sober for 15 years, so it, it's not so much that I'm worried about going out to the bar and having a, you know, a drink and then totally losing control. And I've, you know, I've bet the house all on on red and and I'm, you know, I, I've wrapped my car around a telephone pole and I'm making porn in a pickup truck like that's none of that is. All I, of I, this sounds like a, a fantastic. I don't know why any of this is bad. <laughs> yeah, not 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 necessarily not necessarily wrong, but. You know, that's not the scenario that I expect. The reason I avoid alcohol is that, you know, over the course of so many years, it's come to my attention that um, my liver doesn't process alcohol the way that it's supposed to. And so what happens to me when I drink is I get, you know, red and blotchy and it's very uncomfortable. I don't actually actually don't feel the effects of the alcohol. It's, it's kind of like there were always there were these moments, depending on what I had to eat throughout the day, where I would just sort of go straight into the hangover. Uh, and so I have an actual like physical reason for not drinking anymore. And it, it took going through that recovery process to kind of, you know, accept that and make the changes I needed to make in my life so that I'm staying away from alcohol. It's no longer, it's not a problem solver for me anymore. You know, it's not an escape. It, it, it's just, it's generally an uncomfortable experience for me. Mm. So I, I stay away from it and recovery gave me the tools to do that. But, you know, now that we're having this conversation about what people's goals should be and harm reduction and all of these things, the reality of the situation is that most people who use drugs don't have a problem and right. they are, no, they are high functioning people, people contributing drugs. members of society and actually sort of around the, the launch of Carl Hart's book, there was a, a brief campaign uh, of people sort of coming out and saying, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a professor. I'm an engineer. I do these things. I, you know, I, I have a real job. I, I have a family. I take care of things. All my responsibilities are met and I use drugs. And so, um, you know, it, I think a lot of that attitude of we have to quit, you know, abstinence only, all of this stuff uh, is, of course, being applied to, to, to tobacco and nicotine mm -hmm. just because that's mm -hmm. society's view of drug use is that it's deviant behavior. And as Kristen was saying, that there is no benefit. Um, but, you know, as I said, you know, the reality is that most people who use drugs don't it doesn't disrupt their lives uh, and, and they continue to function. And so it, it's, it, you know, a lot of this gets into like if we're going to talk about recovery, it's absolutely it's still necessary. There are people whose lives become unmanageable because of an obsession or an addiction to certain substances uh, and they need help. It's just like, you know, it's like getting help repairing your credit. You need someone with experience to, to walk you through the process and support you and let you know that there are things you can do to improve your life. And, and you know, you're not just stuck, you know, using this drug and without hope or any of this stuff. It, it, it's very important to have that support. But, you know, again, it's it's sort of like, you know, this ultimate goal of of rehab uh, is is actually it's it's a bit like this ban on smoking in, in Philly recovery centers. It's th this idea that you're going to quit all of these behaviors that society finds abhorrent and and then you're going to be right with God and we'll bring you back into the fold. It's it's sort of these are the conditions. The condition of, uh, uh, of going to treatment is sort of just blindly accepting this notion that you're never going to use drugs again and everything's going to be OK. But that's that's not how any of this works. Um, and so I, I hope over time, you know, we continue having this conversation and people's perspective on on recovery and treatment and so on changes to adopt. You know, there it is absolutely possible for people to come out of a, a even, you know, a 12 step abstinence only based recovery program like I went to come out on the other side and say, oh, wait, but there's a responsible way to use drugs. And if we educate people about that, we're going to have less death and disease and less of a need for people to actually go to these very expensive in some cases treatment programs you know, I don't know. Oh, education okay. is 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 only part of that right like when we talk about making all of that safer that involves regulation of those drugs that involves a safe supply it involves education it involves access to uh those kind of programs all of those kind of programs whether it's an abstinence only program or it's a recovery program um, that focuses only on uh, the most problematic uses. Um, it involves uh, access to uh, clean equipment like sterile syringes um, and, and all of that. It's, it's kind of all of those are just little parts to, to actually getting to the goal, really, truly of people staying alive because the the end goal of ending drug use is just the most fairy tale thing that I can possibly think of um and you you said earlier <clears throat> you know people have been using tobacco for thousands of years people have been using drugs period mm -hmm. for thousands of thousands of years i think cannabis weird goes back something like <laughs> 6 or 7000 years uh so long before anybody you know, um, was, was pushing 12 step to, to find God, people were definitely using drugs. Like, I mean, they found like 8,000 year old beer. I think it was, I mean, sure, sure. I mean, and, and good Lord, we can thank beer for most modern medicine. Um, <laughs> right. 
That's there's actually a really great documentary, How Beer Saved the World. I highly recommend that people watch it because beer is a really cool thing. Um, I don't just, know if I was just because to of like the how advanced we we got medicinally and, and medically uh, medical advancements through. Um, well, you know, a lot of very smart people probably didn't like die because they weren't drinking the water; they were drinking the beer instead. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can thank uh, you know beer for well, what it's not really beer, I guess, more like mead things yeah. like that for it was very light alcohol, um, but it's enough the, to kill the, the bacteria. <laughs> the building of civilization, really. But yeah. anyway. there's probably an argument for that that the people were more after that than they were a lot of the other stuff. They just wanted time to sit and drink. Um, one of you two, I think it was posted, I care if you tweeted something, I could swear it was one of you two, but it might have been somebody else, an article that talked about drug was it exclusivity or was it, it was, they talked about how these drugs are okay. Oh, ex drug exceptionalism. Exceptionalism. Oh, yeah. Yes. You get that a lot with uh, like psychedelics or uh, you see it a lot in like agricultural drugs where like cannabis is okay, but these other drugs aren't okay or, right. or and, things like and that. And I thought that, was that you who posted that, Alice? Because it was an excellent article and it had that, I think it had, that was the one that had that guy on stage. I think it was a black guy. And he said after the, his talk, somebody came up to him and said, you know, well, these drugs are okay, but that drug isn't. And he's like, well, you're looking at somebody who does all of them or something to yeah. that effect. And he was like a professor or something. And yeah, that, that there is that case of that, and that was going to kind of break that same point that we've been, that everybody, everybody has something they do. I, you know, some people take drugs. Some people work out until the endorphins kick in. Some people scrapbook. Some people, you know, there's, there's something that people do to make themselves feel better. And there's this idea of what's the word again? Exception. Exceptionalism. Exceptionalism. You know, this exceptionalism that, well, my scrapbooking is better than, you know, you, using nicotine you know i mean it's just like well why why you know you're you're just coping with things differently you know i, mean, I, I guess that, like if your scrapbooking involves you you know glue. No, robbing sorry. bodegas at gunpoint for magazines oh, for yeah. your <laughs> for your clip I'm out you know, i'm talking about like what, what alex was saying earlier about people can use drugs responsibly and they don't all turn into places where they're doing you know that kind of stuff really quick before we jump into the uh, the deep dive. I just want to put this up there. I think he left already, but I just, Addie Tooney, today's his birthday, and I just want to give him a shout out and wish him happy a happy birthday. birthday. Addie. So if he comes back and see this, happy birthday, Addie. Thank you. Okay. All right. I don't know how deep we're going to dive this week, considering it is already six o'clock. And we've already talked about some of the stuff, so maybe we got some of it out. Yeah, it'll be a, we can make it a quick deep dive, a shallow dive. If you I was just gonna, I was just gonna use our Alex's coin term, shallow dive. Sorry, that bumper was a little. All the bumpers that I've done so far have been like a little weird because my computer is a little weird today. Look, and I it looks fine on this end. So okay, I, maybe yeah. it's just me. Okay, cool. If it's just me, that's fine. The start of the show had a hiccup, but no, that looked fine. So, so um, I will go ahead and I will pull this up because this is the hot button topic right now. Uh, fentanyl laced. I was I was gonna add. Do you mind if I do the intro here? Because I I typed it all up and yeah, do do that. Rehearsed it in my mind. Do it. <laughs> you, can, yours, sir. you can you can keep the visual aid up there if you like. 
Um, all of the links to these things will be, uh, I think Kristen is putting them in the description, but there's a little bit of a timeline here. And so as uh, 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 Logan was, was getting to here, uh, this is about the story out of Tennessee, um, uh, Sequoia High School, uh, which is in Monroe County. Uh, if you're familiar with the uh, Tennessee geography at all, that's between Chattanooga and Knoxville. Um, and uh, along I... 75. Yeah, another just a major drug highway, I'm sure. Um, so uh, uh, this is about a, an alleged carfentanyl exposure at a local high at Sequoia High School. Uh, and uh, it was reported that these school officials were exposed to carfentanyl because of a student's vape pen. Um, and then later, so this report came out on November 30th. Uh, and I think this is sort of a quote from the article, initially believed to be through an e-cig, but later determined that carfentanil was not present in the e-liquid. Uh, and that has not really changed the headline on this story. However, um, there's they, another... Was it carfentanil or was it just fentanyl? Because everything I read just said fentanyl. This is from from the article. They they say carfentanil. Oh. It seems that they're almost using the two interchangeably. It but does. As, as we'll dis discuss, they're they're two kind of different drugs here. Um, and uh, so that was November thirtieth. On December first, there's a video up on uh, one of these links. It's the WVIT TV link. Uh, authorities release details: Sequoia High School fentanyl exposure. Um, what kind of struck me was that I think I think the quote might have come from from the sheriff's department, uh, but it also may have come from school officials. Something about how uh, this fentanyl in a vape pen is a disturbing trend in these high schools. Well, just so we're clear, one point of data doesn't make a trend. Uh, second, however, there's a quote from a student in a video in the second article on December 1st. Uh, where the kid says something like, oh, another overdose at school, not a big deal. Uh, and so apparently there is a, an opioid crisis in, in this, this high school, um, but uh, that's not apparently the focus of this three-article investigation, um, which, again, all of this, you know, it, it the... <laughs> It's just mind blowing. I can't barely get through this with the straight face. In the first article on November 30th, they say, oh, no, but wait, we found that fentanyl wasn't in the vape pen. But the two following articles continue to have fentanyl in the headline, ending on December 2nd, where, again, fentanyl laced vape pens is uh, the the confirmation. And, uh, and as I said, it, you know, they've already confirmed that fentanyl was not in this e-liquid or vaping device. Uh, and they haven't really pointed or given any data points to suggest that this is a trend other than all we have is sort of this disturbing quote from one of the students saying that they seem used to hearing about young people overdosing in their high school. Um, so, Anyway, that that kind of lays the groundwork for this very, very misleading story. Uh, and and I think a lot of the the questions that pop into my mind about this is, um, first of all, uh, all of this smacks uh, of some sort of organized campaign, whether this is coming from law enforcement, school officials or drug prohibitionists. Um, I, I, I just 
you know, they're either taking a page out of, you know, drug war history and, and it's sort of overhyping the dangers of whatever, um, or this is some sort of, you know, organized PR campaign, essentially, um, which I don't know. I want to make that very clear. I, I'm not getting all conspiracy theory on people. I just think that these are potentially options. But Logan, you know, when we were talking, you know, in the pre-show about all of this, I think you have uh, a bit more understanding of, of the history of, of these types of myths and why they get, you know, coined and propagated and so on. Um, and so I, I maybe you could add a little perspective here on on why fentanyl is suddenly in everything. Well, I mean, fentanyl basically is in everything. Uh, it's it's flooded our our drug market. Uh, to be clear, uh, anybody out there using um, just about any drug, particularly powdered drugs, I think it's a very smart idea to to test your drugs. You can get fentanyl test strips. They won't tell you how much fentanyl is in it, but they will tell you whether or not it does contain fentanyl. So please don't use alone and please start slow. Um, I do want to address really quick before I get into any of that, uh, this comment in chat, fentanyl can be lethal, approximately <laughs> two milligrams. The idea of vaping, it would be suicidal. We're going to get into a little bit more detail about the idea of vaping fentanyl and how it's really not a thing at all. Uh, but the other part of that fentanyl can be lethal at, uh, you know, about two milligrams really depends on a person's uh, opioid tolerance and how long they've used, what kind of tolerance they've built up. If you're opioid naive, then uh, yeah, absolutely. That could very well be a lethal dosage. Um, but again, if you're a regular user, if you have a tolerance, things like that, uh, there is no just like set in stone amount that will kill you. It's all very user specific. Um, but yeah, a lot of times stuff like this really starts with law enforcement. It starts with law enforcement making claims that prop up and justify their own funding, their existence in this drug war. Um, and then from there, it gets picked up by media and then so on and so forth. Stories get distorted. It gets told, rehashed, rehashed again. Um, I don't know how much I fall into the conspiratorial, like this is some main PR group that's pumping out these ideas to, to news outlets and things like that. I really think it's the age old drug panic, reefer madness, hysteria that starts more often than not with law enforcement. Um, something gets distorted, a, a theory gets put out there as fact at a press conference and then media gets a hold of it. Your NIMBY folks, not in my backyard folks, get a hold of it. And they roll with it and then they over-exaggerate things to to push that prohibitionist idea. Um, yeah, that's 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 more often than not what it is. This is I'm showing while you're talking about this, the Ohio story from 2017, where the officer said he brushed a little powder off of his uniform and immediately had an overdose. Um and I believe, too, a lot of these, when, when you read these, some, some key indicators here uh, that it's not an overdose. A, uh, overdosing on fentanyl through your skin, uh, transdermal, through the epidermis. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, there are fentanyl transdermal patches you can get. But again, those patches are specifically designed to break through uh, that barrier. Just having some dry powder on your skin or on your shirt that you brush off a little bit. Uh, you're not going to to overdose off of that. And often we see in these articles, um, 
the quote unquote victim experienced anxiety and panic attacks, all these things. That's not what fentanyl does to you. Uh, you don't uh, you don't get increased heart rate and panic attacks uh, from an opioid. It's just not how they work. It tends to be or is always the opposite of that. Um, you don't you don't have these like stimulant inducing effects. That's a whole different category of drug. So whenever you read about someone touching fentanyl, they were somewhere in the same house or in the same country as fentanyl and they feel like they overdosed and we wasted a bunch of Narcan on them um, because they had a panic attack. That's usually what that tends to be. Yeah, because they were saying that in one of the articles it said that the they were their heart started, heart rate went up and other stuff and and the the expert was like, well, that's not what happens when you have a fentanyl overdose. No, that's, not what what happens. Happens. that's what you happens. That's what happens. You would panic you attack. Would more likely, <laughs> uh, start to fall asleep. Uh, you would experience respiratory distress, uh, respiratory depression, um, and those are the biggest concerns with with an opioid overdose. Is is actually people stopping breathing because you then, you're, uh, you're, you kind of just shut down. That's the first thing to go is you kind of stop breathing. Yeah, it was, and I'm going to bring up this other one. And regarding the the one with the um, <clears throat> with the vape pen, and I'd like to come back to this one because we were talking before about how that puts people at risk by this panic over fentanyl. But this was another good article by Claire Zagorski. Um, and a huge shout and, out to Claire, real quick. Yeah. Like Claire is a a powerhouse of information uh, and, and an incredible harm reduction advocate. Uh, and, and just a wonderful person. So I, I highly recommend if people are on Twitter to follow, follow Claire. Yeah. And again, I will share these all in the description uh, sure. if I haven't put them in yet. But um, here she talks about <clears throat> some of <clears throat> excuse me, whether or not it's in uh, cannabis. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but uh, they were talking about whether fentanyl could be vaped accidentally with with um, cannabis. And when we vape anything, we have vapor coming off of a substance. And then they talk about what the boiling point is. Um, and essentially that the boiling point uh, is 466 um, degrees Celsius, Celsius. Uh, or 871 Fahrenheit. Just and hot. compare that to what you do for vaping, even just cannabis or vaping e-liquid. It makes no sense really to put um, fentanyl in a vape product. I mean, it, it just doesn't. It yeah, even if that. even if even if you had uh, fentanyl in a, a THC cartridge or or some kind of I don't know nicotine cartridge, you would vape everything else out of that cartridge, and what would be left behind would be fentanyl. It just it just doesn't work that way. It your your devices don't get to the the heat that point that boiling point, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so this whole idea that that is in the vape to begin with, and then you see this overreaction um, of the police and the hazmat suits and the people. Ah, I just picture people doing that. Ah, yeah, I mean, you know? you're not far off. Yeah. This is, that's exactly uh, what it I'm is. Glad you have that. Yeah. So those are great. I love that. <clears throat> um, it really is. It is law enforcement you know, propping up the drug war and causing hysteria, causing panic, um, because this is this is how they get more funding. Um, and it reinforces it every time they see these headlines. And it's like, like I said, when I tweeted about it on my own account, I said, 
and I think that the timeline for me was it came out and there was a whole bunch of articles about it, um, you know, being found in a vape pen and, and then having to all have Narcan, <clears throat> which I kind of wish that there was like a negative reaction to people who claim that they've been fentanylized <laughs> when they have Narcan. So it goes wire across their forehead or something. I don't know. Um, freaking out. I don't know. It just it, that. that because, like you said, it's a waste of Narcan. It's a waste of resources. It is, absolutely. It's a waste of taxpayers' uh, money. It's a waste of law enforcement's time and resources uh, when they could be out actually doing something beneficial. Right. And um, like that article says that it can scare first responders if they're so afraid of touching anything that has yeah. anything, you know, that whole just one grain that they're, this, they're, people are going to not get help and you're going to have more deaths. This is seriously one of the most uh, concerning points, I think, personally uh, about this is for first responders. And I'm also I'm going to share really quick. Um, I can pull stuff. I have the links if you want me to pull. Yes. Uh, the okay. GEMS article uh, that I shared earlier uh, from the Journal of it. Emergency Medical Services. This is a really great guide uh, for first responders or for anybody that wants to learn a little bit more about the, the myths around uh, all of this. Uh, that's a really great article. Um, but yeah, that's one of the biggest concerns because when, when you are, when you show up to somebody who is experiencing an opioid overdose, you do not have a lot of time to start administering um, Narcan and first aid to that person to get that person breathing again. And when first responders think that going up to this person, touching this person, being near this person means that they too are at risk, that is very precious time that's being wasted. And, or maybe not at, like those people might not even be getting help at all because people are, are so paranoid and concerned for their own safety. Uh, and, and people are, are dying in front of first responders who are right there, who could very well save that person's life. Um, and that's just think about it, the AIDS scare, the HIV AIDS scare. It's, you know? it's exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, not, I mean, how many people died because of that or wouldn't get help? Oh, I can't touch them, you know, cause of AIDS. It's just, yeah. It's, and you know, there's, it, it, it <clears throat> further stigmatizes people who use drugs as well. Uh, and it's just, it's all around a really destructive campaign of misinformation, if you will. You know, again, I don't know how, I don't buy into the whole, it's so, you know, it's organized by there's some PR. Maybe there is, maybe there's some dark Illuminati force out there that's pumping out press releases for people and, and encouraging law enforcement to put this stuff out or whatever. But I think more than anything, it's really law enforcement, you know, justifying what they do uh, and, and over-exaggerating these things. I mean, and then yeah. I think for some of those, these officers or first responders or people who have experienced these faux overdoses, um, I think some of them are genuinely scared uh, because they're misinformed themselves. And I think that can bring on those panic attacks or, or fainting spells or what have right. you. Um, and that's also just as tragic that we have people out there who are so incredibly scared based on this, this misinformation that they're being physically affected, you know, to the point where they're, they're having panic attacks, they're fainting, you know, they're getting hurt themselves solely based on a myth, a lie, a fabrication. Yeah. And, and it's still ongoing. I mean, that was from 2017, but when I was looking for that article, 
like I mentioned in the pre-show, I came up with one just from August, this past August, and one from just earlier in November of this year, um, where a police officer was overdosed and freaked out and had to have Narcan. And, you know, later on, it turned out there was there was no issue with it. And the media just eats it up. <clears throat> like Alex was talking about earlier with the um, the timeline, you know, I saw that I think it was like November 30th or November 29th when I first started seeing the first initial local news articles, then it got picked up by national, then a news article came out. And I, I think I tweeted the follow-up news article, the first one I saw that buried in paragraph five said, oh, it turned out not to be fentanyl. Um, they didn't find fentanyl in the vape pen, you know, vape pen. And I was like, well, you know, what, where did the fentanyl come from then if they supposedly detected it? A lot of, a lot of, um, on-site first, uh, what do you call those? Those quick tests are very inaccurate. They've been found to be inaccurate. And then like when I was doing this blog post from yesterday, which was now what, the third, which is, I think I want to say five days after I first saw the story and about two days after I saw that initial, or I think I tweeted that, or maybe a day later, all of a sudden I'm looking through all my Google uh Keyword searches are popping up, and now I'm seeing all the, a bunch of national news outlets, vape pen with fentanyl mm -hmm. in school and Narcan. The same exact story and not a peep about, oh, it didn't turn out to be. So it's like oh, the correction caught up never, like a week later, it seemed around. like, and hadn't gotten any further you know, information before just pumping on. Oh, yeah, by the way, there was Tennessee fentanyl. You know, and it, the poor kid was arrested. Yeah. I mean, what happened to him? <laughs> you know, and here's the other here's the other big red flag too, right? Like, uh, the kid who had the vape pen that was vaping, perfectly fine, but yeah. people within the school, you know, That's, yeah, I made that point in my tweet. A few hundred <laughs> like, feet in the other corridor, uh, you know, they're they're experiencing some issues because a weed pen was in the same building yeah you know. i was like i was he was carrying around that pen all day in his pocket and you know sensibly using it and the adults all see it and maybe touch the outside and they you know have overdose and need narcan and no, you know it's, it's hazmat it really is it's a, it's, like, a, it's a waste of narcan to be uh, honest with you i'm somebody i carry narcan uh every day Here's my work bag. This goes with me to my job every day. And I have a whole side pouch, which has like bandages and uh, hand sanitizer and all sorts of like first aid stuff in it. And there's Narcan. Um, oh, I'm somebody oh. I don't fear at all. If I see somebody who is turning blue and slumped over and in distress and right. possibly if I see a needle somewhere near them and I know, hey, this is going to save their life. And I can, I can be that very first response and I can, you know, administer Narcan, start CPR. I'm CPR certified and I can call 911 or have somebody else call 911. I'm going to do that uh, because I know that this hysteria is just that, that I'm going to be okay helping this person out, trying to save this person's life. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not going to hesitate. So I, I hope that other people, I encourage other people to carry Narcan. There's a lot of great resources out there to get Narcan. I believe there's a, a place, I think it's just called getnaloxone.org or something like that, something close to that effect. Um, it's relatively cheap at a pharmacy if you have insurance to get it as well. But at the end of the day, this is 
this is a combination of age old drug hysteria and, and reefer madness with the, the new age vaping madness kind of all lumped together. If we can take two, you know, epidemics, crises and mash them together to create more fear and more panic, then we're absolutely going to capitalize on that and, and, you know, get more police funding and whatnot out of it. So. I was yeah, smiling. I shouldn't have been smiling when you were talking about the Narcan, but I was just thinking the last thing about that article, the one where it was buried in, in paragraph five about the uh, the fact that it ended up not having any fentanyl in the vape pan. The very last art, uh, paragraph in the article or sentence in the article was something about that the school wasn't going to open up until, so they already know at this point that there was no fentanyl, but they said that they were going to, the school's not opening until, I think it was either Friday or Monday, and that all of the teachers and the and the other the nurse um, took the day off and they're at home resting. But resting from what? They didn't get exposed to anything. Well, it's it's probably due to some something related to like a PTSD from having people in hazmat suits storm through their <laughs> right. school. You know, I but mean that that alone. Like, yeah, this right yeah. here caused more harm to not only the students but also the staff than that student's vape pen ever could or did do. But I was like, oh, they're at home resting, huh? I'm like, didn't you just say that they weren't exposed to anything? It's yeah, like, oh home. my God, what, what are you talking about snowflakes? Joint, I mean, geez, that's snowflakes, I'm sorry. I I wanted to jump in here and and we do need to wrap this up. Um, so, I think that was uh, pretty much it anyhow. So. Yeah, but I did kind of want to bring this back around to, to, to the vaping. Um, I, it's very you know, good discussion about fentanyl and, and, and Narcan and, and what to do. And I appreciate all of that, Logan. Thank you. Um, and, and hopefully our, our, our viewing folks got some use out of all of this. Um, but I, I did want to bring up, I, I think, some of the stuff that you were talking about at the end there, Logan. Um, you know, my question about this being an organized kind of PR effort. Um, I, I think Mallory Gates kind of nailed it here. And this is exactly like the Valley stories. Uh, and 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 I, I see it, I think, probably similar to what you were describing. This is I hate to use the word organic, but this is more of an organic kind of campaign and informal yeah. sort of it's it's more of a whisper down the lane kind of thing mm -hmm. where people get this idea. And we see this from from local health departments mm -hmm. with regard to vaping all the time. And And first of all, I'm jumping around here, but, you know, this idea that people would be adding drugs or dangerous substances to e-liquid is nothing new. Uh, we've we've heard law enforcement suggesting this for for many years mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, well, I think at one point somebody just the, the most idiotic thing. I, I've heard a lot of idiotic things, so it's hard to call this the most. But somebody actually at one point suggested that someone could put anthrax in uh, uh, or, or otherwise use an e-cigarette for some sort of chemical or biological attack, um, which, it, again, just doesn't make any damn sense. Um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, when we look at some of the the what we affectionately refer to as propaganda from local health departments, it's sort of like these folks think that that it's that all of this is a white lie in service of making people healthy. Uh, this gets into uh, you know, public, public health hacking. Um, which is something that's it's it's a you know, it's a real practice. There's no conspiracy theory here. There are public health hacks all the time. It's a way to nudge society to make better decisions. And there are, I think, justifications for doing things that way. Uh, for example, if you are trying to confront somebody 
uh, about something, disagreement you have, the worst way to open that conversation is by saying, uh, I, I, I disagree with what you're saying and it's completely wrong and you're wrong for doing it. That's not, you're not going to open a dialogue by coming out and just jumping down someone's throat. You have to kind of sneak in, offer them information, perhaps give them little nudges, and then maybe that changes their opinion over time. So from that perspective, things like a public health hack are beneficial and necessary. But when it gets into this realm of perpetuating hysteria, creating a white, a lie, it's not, a, there's no, there's no white about it, creating a lie in order to trick people into behaving a certain way or, or, you know, just motivating people through fear, that's coercion. And that's ultimately, it's, it's not a very healthy way to go about things. Um, and, and, and as Mallory pointed out, yes, this is exactly like a valley. People jumped on the lung injury cases. They capitalized on the fear and not knowing exactly where this was coming from. And they just broadly applied. Our CDC is complicit in this perhaps organic campaign to continue misleading the public about risks associated with nicotine use or any drug use. Um, and and so I, I yeah, I, it just, just people you, throw out the most how- believable hysterical things and and everyone else jumps on board and says, oh yeah, I believe it, That that's right. I've heard it so many times on the news, so it must be true. Uh, And second of all, I agree, people shouldn't use drugs. So anything that I can tell them, everything from Santa Claus is real. And if you smoke a joint, you're not getting your presence. You know, that's that's the level of of sophistication that we're seeing from from public health, the media and other anti anti drug, anti tobacco campaigners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think organic is is a pretty good word for it, because I think that really is more often than not how things like this spread. Uh, it's clickbaity, it sells, it's panic inducing, it's, you know, it's fear. And that's, that's what media outlets thrive on is, is news like this. And once a story comes out, other outlets put it out. And then, like you said, you repeat it enough times when, when parents, when people, uh, hear things like fentanyl laced vape pens, Hundreds of times across the media, every time they, you know, get on their news site or whatever, they see an article about something like this. They start to believe that this is very much a real thing. And then when things are corrected, we know through a lot of experience that those corrections never circulate the way that the panic, that initial article, that that fear circulates. They never make their way around like that. Arbitrary. What did you say? I was going to say lies fly and the truth comes limping after. Yeah. Well, and exactly also if it bleeds, it leads, you know, so yeah. I mean, if it bleeds, it leads. Arbitrary Elias says, uh, people still tell me I'm going to get popper in lung. Um, and, and, th- and honestly, that's kind of where it all started. I mean, that was the very first thing. If you, that was probably the mm-hmm. earliest scare was, I mean, the, well, they had the FDA test with the whole, um, yeah, the, the, uh, like the, the I mean. diethylene glycol, which, which made its way into an infographic that's circulating on Twitter. Oh, right yeah, now the diethylene, I forgot about that one, diethylene yeah. glycol. But, uh, but then it was the popcorn lung, you know, and then it's, um, uh, now, right now it's, uh, erectile dysfunction. You know, I yeah, did a that's... whole thing on that. There's, you know, uh, strokes, heart attacks, uh, uh, brain oh, good lord! You name a medical condition, and they've attributed it to vaping at this yeah, point. I mean, they're they're scraping the barrel, uh, but, and, and they, getting... but they do this again for folks who are new to 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 drug propaganda. They've done this same thing with every drug that you can imagine. From this drug is going to cause you know your kids to to 
do unthinkable things to other human beings or your legs are going to fall off your you know your marijuana your reproductive organs are going to shrivel into raisins eyeballs are going to shrivel like all these wild claims off and yeah all these all these wild claims that we see uh they've done this with with every drug that's ever existed um Right. Well, that's still the fentanyl. I kind of wanted to get back to the vaping part of this. Well, that's and- where I was going with, like with nicotine, with vaping, like all these, like you just brought up one of the new things out circulating on Twitter is this whole erectile dysfunction claim. Like these are, these are the same claims that have been made about every, every substance under right. the sun. And, and, and the thing is, is that in the, the list that, that never quite goes away kind of, I mean, Alex kind of uh, hinted to that too, about the whole diethylene glycol thing because it's still appearing on flyers. Well, they take all these little bits and they keep, they'll keep throwing it in. So now that'll all be on a list of somewhere and then somebody's going to be in a hearing somewhere and you know, somebody's going to sit there and read this list off of, well, you can get popcorn lung and it causes stroke and it causes electrolyte dysfunction and there could be fentanyl in it, you know, and it's that whole scare thing that's hurting others, you know, but it's also going to hurt others. And if you look back, that's what the whole, it's, it's, it's a classic anti-prohibitionist technique. They did it with secondhand smoke. They had to be able to show that it was going to hurt other people and, and that it, there was harm, that there was real harm there, you know, because people were just like, well, it's my body, my choice. You can't, well, now you're hurting other people and now you're hurting children. And, and that's part of it. It's a classic. They take little bits of, of cherry picked stuff and by pushing it all together, they came up with this argument about, about now they're banning it outside. And there, it's never, ever been scientifically shown that a little whiff of outdoor smoke was going to have any kind of harm. But they still will turn around. <laughs> you know, but they, still would, they still turn around and they'll claim that, well, there's no safe level. There's no safe level. Well, that's true, but there's no safe level of anything in the world. You know, I mean, everything's got some kind of risk to it. It's just whether or not we've accepted it. Caffeine, we've accepted the risk from caffeine. Driving, we've accepted the risk from driving. You can't sit there and pick and choose that some things have to have 100% safe level while everything else doesn't need that. But but that's a classic tactic. And every little thing that they can glom onto for, with vaping, that will this will now be that you know, just like they say that there's particulates in vapor, you know, in the e-liquid or just these little things that, but they'll take it all together. And now it's like, now there's this risk of fentanyl, you know, just like they had the fentanyl, that title that, that one Alex put up about, you know, it's a, it's a, it's now this thing, it's now a thing. And so now it's just going to keep getting repeated. Like you guys said, as though it's a given and a truth, you know, cause somebody read it somewhere once and nobody bothered to verify it, but, now it's part of the narrative and oh, it's so frustrating, but at least our members will be educated about it. No better. <laughs> yeah. and, and the last real quick point that I want to make about all this before we wrap it up is, is this is not another reason to continue the drug war. This is another reason to end it. This is yeah. another reason to legalize and regulate these products to make them as safe as possible, to make them accessible to people. So that way they don't have to go to, uh, you know, black markets to people that they don't trust from from other sources uh, where the products they're getting are untested, unregulated. You don't know what's in them. This is just another reason to move forward with legalization and regulation so that way we do know what is in our products so that way we can make these products as safe 
uh, for people as possible. So that way, you know, when when somebody goes to vape their pen, people in hazmat suits don't come in barging through and knocking down the doors to test it for for substances that shouldn't be there. Um, that's that's my last take is that whenever I see things like this, I just go, then legalize it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like make these products safe so that way these things aren't even a thought to people. Like I never question whether or not the beer that I buy from the, the store up the road, I never think, you know what, I should probably test this for fentanyl. No, because it's regulated. I, I bought it legally. It's legal product. It's regulated. It's as safe as it can be. Um, I don't I don't think about that. I don't have to worry about that. And that's the safety that comes with with regulation. So and even if you don't like really have a pony in the race when it comes to the other drugs being legalized, this is where the anti nicotine zealots want to place nicotine. They want to put that out yeah. in that area where it's less safe, where everything's banned, where, you know, if anybody wants nicotine, they're going to be stuck out there. While on the other hand, a lot of them are turning around trying to legalize the other drugs. Again, that's that exclusivity or that what yeah. exception. What is that? Like, what? Exceptionalism. Drug, drug, think starts, of American exceptionalism. It starts with an E. I can't. Drug <laughs> but that's where that. So, so that's where they want to put nicotine. They want to put nicotine out there and you know not regulate it and just have it all be black market because you know if they ban everything, that's what's going to happen. So that's why this does all work. This all together. When you say war on drugs, include nicotine in that. Nicotine's a oh, drug. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, so. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. We ran long, everybody. Sorry about Too that. Uh, we did run long. Arbitrary alias. Yes. Legalize everything. Once you know what you are taking in the dosage, drugs become orders of magnitude safer than street drugs. I agree with you. Um, but this is where we're going to wrap up this show. I don't I'm not even going to ask if we have final thoughts because I can just hear Jim yelling at me already. <laughs> so uh, for all of our podcast listeners out there, there will be two versions of this show available to you over on the SoundCloud, the Google, the Apple. You'll be able to listen to the full uh, program today or you'll be able to just listen to uh, the shorthand version, which is just Alex going through our legislative rundown and a little bit of banter from Kristen and I. Uh, that way you get all the need to know stuff right out of the gate for your little commute to work or wherever you're going. Um, what else do we got? We got, uh, oh, we have the store, check out the store, check out all the new merch that we have out that Danielle worked very hard on. Uh, if you have not yet done the calls to action, most particularly, definitely that nicotine tax call to action, please get that done. If you have not already, if you haven't done the e-cig intelligence survey that Kristen ran through, uh, which was just the most entertaining part of this entire program today, please do that. Uh, it was my favorite segment of the day. Uh, please do that survey. It really does help not only consumers, but uh, just all of us. It, it benefits us all. Um, so get that in, get that done. Um, I think other than join CASA, if you haven't done that yet, do it. You're here. You're watching us. Join CASA. Become a CASA member because we are CASA. All of us, you right there, you watching, you're CASA too. Um, and we will be back next week, I believe. Sometimes I say this and we're not, but I believe we will all be back next week. Yeah, no no major holidays, holidays or events. Right, I, I think okay, we're, we're okay. good. 
I like we're how we're hashing this out on a live stream. But uh, yeah, we will be back next week, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 over on that other coast. And you got to do the you got to do that time zone math for yourself anywhere else in the world. But that's going to do it for us, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for being here. And Replay Crew, thank you for watching later on. That's going to do it. We are out of here. Take care, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe out there. See you guys next time. Peace.